Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I have an extraordinarily exciting episode for you this week with the one and only Ava Johanna. Ava has become a friend. Uh, I just finished her breathwork certification program called the Academy of Breath. She is uh, a renowned breathwork instructor. Uh, she was a yoga teacher, and what really inspired me about her journey is that during the pandemic, she wound up launching the Academy of Breath and growing it into a multi-seven-figure business. And so in this episode, Ava and I talk about uh, mindfulness, about meditation, breathwork, yoga. We also go into some of the nuances of building a successful online business and enterprise. We talk about personal branding. We talk about getting over imposter syndrome. We talk about how many touch points one needs uh, with a potential uh, client for them to feel comfortable to buy. We go into a bunch of different nuances around building an online business and empire. I think you're gonna get a lot of value out of this episode. We also go through a breathwork exercise that Ava leads that's really powerful. Uh, I can't wait to hear your thoughts. And before we get into it, I'm going to have a quick word from our sponsor. And then we have an incredible conversation with the one only Ava Johanna. I discovered momentum as I, as I talk about drinking as a tool for using drinking instead of for my detriment, for my optimal wellness. And momentum is the definitive longevity shake and supplement. I have been researching on this journey of Peak Mind, how to optimize my life, my health, what are the supplements that one needs to, to do so. And when I discovered Momentum, I reached out to the founder, Mike, and I said, man, I gotta try this. And uh, another guest of the show, Ben Greenfield, basically spoke about it with, with flying colors. And I was like, okay, let me check this out. And I did, and it's got NAD+, it's got the highest quality whey protein powder from, from cows, uh, literally in Ireland, where they're not exposed to the same sort of GMOs and, and pesticides and whatnot that we find across the, the U.S. Collagen, omega-3s, sun fiber, lion's made, hydrolonic acid, vitamins D3 and K2, L-glutamine, TMG, B-complex vitamins, cordyceps, essential minerals, and magnesium. These are some of the most essential ingredients you can find, and Momentum has the highest quality sourcing I have come across in the entire industry. And not only that, they package it together in a single delicious shake, which has now become a daily habit for me. Sometimes I'll actually go work out just because my reward is that I get to drink momentum afterwards. I highly recommend you check it out. Um, it's delicious. Subscribe. I drink it every day. You can check them out at MomentumShake.com. Again, that is MomentumShake.com. They have some incredible resources on the website. So if you're considering, uh, you can really do a deep dive into their sourcing into each of the ingredients and why they are so impactful on your health and well-being. And if you have any questions, please feel to reach out to me at Michael Trainer online. I'd be happy to share. It's one of my favorite new discoveries. This episode is also brought to you by Upgraded Formulas. 
upgraded formulas I discovered uh, as a result of a hair test that I did through them, which basically shows how you are doing in your mineral absorption. What minerals are in your body uh, and where is that impacting your health, your energy levels, uh, and your optimal wellness. And much to my surprise, I discovered that I have huge heavy metal exposure, which has profound consequences if it goes untreated, potential neurological consequences, you know, dementia, cancers, a lot of really gnarly uh, consequences. And so I was elated, not that at the results, but that I actually discovered those, uh, those high levels and have now taken action. And I've been working with Upgraded Formulas and their, their founder, Barton, to basically optimize my mineral levels as I reduce the stressors on my body and put myself into a position to win in my detoxification of heavy metals and also in optimizing my metabolism, getting my thyroid in balance, getting my, you know, my cortisol levels down, my stressors. I've been incorporating a lot more magnesium into my morning and night routines, which has actually increased my deep sleep, which I'm noticing has had profound consequences on my energy. I uh, personally am also working on their natural boosters for testosterone to get my hormones in an optimal way. And so if you're looking at optimizing minerals, which are so important for your overall well-being, if you're looking at optimizing your hormones, if you're concerned about heavy metals and detoxification, definitely check out Upgraded Formulas. It's UpgradedFormulas.com. And please go ahead and get yourself that test. And or they have some optimal uh, packaging of different supplements commensurate with your needs, whether that be hormones, energy, detoxification. So check them out, UpgradedFormulas.com. All right. Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm here with my friend, Ava Johanna. Pleasure to have you. I'm so happy to be here. I can't wait. I know. I know. <laughs> so for context, I'm actually currently doing your Academy of Breath. So I'm doing the Breathwork Certification Program. Um, we tapped in because uh, so start off right and get a little vulnerable. I actually started with a new therapist who's actually based in Brazil. And on the first session, I had this calling to breath. I didn't know why, but I was like, okay, I felt called to the breath. And literally, I think within an hour after making this declaration that I'm going into the breath, you popped up on my feed and I was like, okay, let's go. And it's been amazing. And it's it's um, obviously, I, I as anyone listening has been, I've been in a journey of breath, but it has deepened significantly since our connecting. So I'm very grateful. That makes me so happy. It's yeah. pretty powerful. It's extremely powerful. It, it's, it makes me very grateful that our paths crossed as well, too, because I feel like I have so much to learn from you as well. And so when you reached out, it was just an instant hell yes. And so it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be a part of your journey. Yeah, thank you. Well, let's start off with Let's, we're going to go a variety of places. For those listening, um, you, you have, and this is one of the things I'm very inspired by, you have, you know, had many transitions in life, but also of late have created a model that honestly, I think I would like to emulate in my own life, which is really 
going deep on your edge on your education and online uh, education and community and have built this epic engaged community but also the lifestyle I think that it, it affords um, and you know not that long ago you were here in LA it sounds like grinding as many of us are um, and and life looked it sounded like pretty different uh, at that time I, I know for many people listening you know there are folks who are not necessarily where they want to be in life and looking for more freedom, looking for more financial abundance, looking for more uh, opportunities to share their gifts in a way that resonates. Can you share a little bit about kind of the context of where you were when you were living here and what you've been able to create in a, in a pretty short period of time, like over the last few years um, in, in regards to your online business? Yeah, absolutely. So I was born and raised in Santa Monica, right actually down the street at John Hopkins. So yeah. I've been an L.A. girl my whole life. And when I graduated high school, I went down to San Diego, lived there for a while, got into yoga and started my podcast and started building a following online. And once it started to kind of pick up and I was starting to work with brands and getting these opportunities and um, different wellness spaces up here were reaching out saying, hey, come teach with us. I made the decision to come up to L.A. thinking that this was going to be my big break. I'm going to be because in San Diego, I felt like I was a big fish in a, in a little pond. And that's kind of the energy that I brought up to L.A. And I was very clear or very quickly um I very quickly realized that that was not what it was going to be and that it's actually way more cutthroat in the wellness industry than I assumed it to be. I thought that, you know, I had a following. I was already working with brands. I was well connected. I had been teaching for a while that it was going to be rainbows and butterflies up here. Mm -hmm. But the reality was that I was actually in traffic about 90% of my time getting to studios only to find out that a bigger influencer was going to come in and teach and my class got canceled. And so it was a lot of rejection, a lot of driving, a lot of a lot of smog. And um, within about a six month period, I just had this nudge. And this was around the end of 2019 that the way that I was living and how I was showing up and the way that I was even dreaming about what was possible for me was limiting what I could actually receive. And so at that time, I was called to start working with a mentor. And this mentor just helped me blow the lid off of my limits and helped me stretch my imagination and how I could show up and what I could create and what it meant to really go all in on a vision and on a dream. And I didn't realize that I was playing small. I thought that I was doing all of the right things because before the yoga industry, I was in digital marketing. So I knew every strategy. I knew how to send the emails. I knew how to post on Instagram. I knew how to do all the things. But I didn't realize that strategy is really only 10% of it and who you are and how you embody your work. And if you practice what you preach, like that's the 90% that I truly believe counts the most. And when I started prioritizing that and focusing on that over the strategy, that's when everything just did a complete 180. And people started receiving me differently. I started getting different responses from people. People started saying, hey, you've changed. I don't know what it is about you. And so as woo as it might sound, it really was all about my energy and who I was and how I was leading myself when no one was watching me. That made the biggest difference in my business and choosing to not just think that 
strategy or an email or, you know, all of these kind of surface level things that we think equal success would be the way, but actually making sure that who I was and how I was showing up and leading my life was my strategy. So everything changed like very quickly. And it's crazy because this was before everything shut down. It was a couple months before when I just got the nudge like, hey, stop forcing in LA, go online where your people are, put out offers that these people need that don't have access to the abundance of um, resources that we have out here in LA, make breathwork available online, make meditation available online. And, you know, three months in, the world really needed it. Mm -hmm. And so it was really beautiful to be positioned and set up in that way because we already had the structure in place for when people were at our doors saying, I need this work most. So that was kind of like the 180 experience that happened around 2019, 2020. Yeah, I think you, you bring up a lot of gold there. And, and I'd love to get into a couple different things. So one is this notion of embodiment. So there's the tactics, you know, but, but many of us know what we need to do, but we have profound resistance. Like I, I've talked about this before, but for those listening, you know, I started recording my podcast in 2014. I didn't launch till 2019 because I had a lot of resistance. My ego was like, oh, no, you can't go from like global citizen hosting Beyonce to some guy in his living room like on a Zoom call, you know, like. And unfortunately, that held me back probably from massive growth. And when I did finally launch, I've reckoned like there's a profound growth trajectory that's taken place and it's been a huge catalyst. But to your point, I feel like I had to get to the right place within myself mm -hmm. to be able to hold that space. And I feel like we, many people don't do that inner work. And so they know the ideas, the tactics, what have you, but they don't necessarily, um, they haven't necessarily gone through the inner journey to be able to hold the space for that kind of fruition in mm -hmm. terms of business. As you think about it, what were some of the core tools and practices that you used to get into a place where you felt like that kind of work could emerge through you in a way that felt authentic and people acknowledge, oh, wow, like you're onto something, like where it had that, that kind of cut through appeal. Because I think you told me in our first call, like your first course you launched didn't actually do well. Mm -hmm, yeah. And so like talk, talk to me about, because I think that's really uh, helpful. Like what, what, was, what did you learn from that? And then what do you attribute to the success of, of now, for example, your products would do very, very well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that first course, Kick-Ass Branding for Wellness Professionals. It's my Instagram was kicking asana when I first started. Um, that sweet, sweet course. Well, I think, you know, the biggest lesson that I learned from that course is to trust myself above all. When I created that, I created it polling everybody. What do you need? What do you want? What are you struggling with? And while I do think that that's so important, we also, as leaders and as teachers, know what people need before they even know it themselves. And so I stopped just seeking externally to guide me forward and started really taking time to, as cheesy as it sounds, to like turn inward and see what information, what clues were inside of me to help me guide my action and strategies and offers and programs that I created from that point forward. Um, so the simplest of things, and I think we're going to do a little bit of breath at the end of yeah, this. So, so um, we can definitely do this exact practice later, um, later in this conversation. But the simplest of things for me was literally waking up in the morning and doing my breathwork practice, 10, 15, not even an hour, just 10, 15 minutes to help me get into my body, 
to create a substantial shift in my energy so I started feeling differently and to take that moment to quiet everything in and outside of me so that I could just simply hear the response to the simple question, how can I be of service today? Mm. And that question is like truly what has built my company and has built every single offer, every single social media post, every single email. Because when I ask what or how can I be of service, my heart, God, intuition, all of, all of these forces guide me and speak through me. And I believe that to be true for every single person. And I think oftentimes people resist or hesitate for longer periods than necessary because they're looking for clues outside of themselves to give them the green light to move forward. And for me, I stopped looking for clues outside of myself and started listening and looking for clues inside of myself. Mm. I think that's a beautiful point because I feel like when we, when we truly listen, that's where the place where most things emerge, you know, and for me at least, you know, I think a lot of people move from this notion of ego and like what they have to do or create and whatnot. And not to say that the ego doesn't have its role, but I feel like when we are, and I'm writing my book right now about relationships and it's this notion of the core principle, actually the first principle is being in the listening, right? Like what is the music that wants to live in the space between people and mm. how do we become instruments for that song? Mm. And I think that's the notion we we're talking a little bit before we started recording about Stephen Pressfield, who's become a mentor. And he talks about that notion of the muse, you know, and the muse, when, when we think that like we were the source of everything, it, it puts almost like this artificial pressure on us. Mm -hmm. But when we see ourselves as the vessel and, 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 and the muse moves through us, um, and therefore it's our responsibility really to show up and to listen, mm -hmm. then I think things proceed very, very differently, um, at least in my experience. So another great book for those listening, um, Big Magic by Elizabeth mm -hmm. Gilbert, you know, who, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, where she talks about that notion of like, it's not about us, it's about us getting out of the way of what wants to emerge through us. Mm -hmm. And so... I know for you, Academy of Breath, at least, which is what I'm participating in now, was a bigger success even than you anticipated. Yes. <laughs> and can you can you walk us through how that emerged through you and to what you attribute that success? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was wild. I mean, to this day, it's still wild because I was not expecting it at all. Mm. I was literally just listening to the muse, you know, I, um, and it's funny because Big Magic was one of the first like personal development books that I read really, and influenced me greatly. So shout out to Liz Gilbert. Yeah. She's, she's crushing the game. Yep. Um, so I remember very clearly we had rented an Airbnb for the week that the world shut down. And I'd been teaching breathwork and meditation for a while at that point. I had been teaching all in L.A. and San Diego and had become known for breathwork. And I was meditating in the backyard of this Airbnb in San Diego and asking, how can I be of service? What's next? Show me where I'm meant to go. Like, I promise whatever, whatever you guide me to do, I will do it. I will fulfill it. Like, I'm merely a channel. I'm merely a vessel. And... I remember, do you, do you watch Bohemian Rhapsody? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, when, when Freddie comes out at Live Aid and there's, he walks out and there's that vision of hundreds of thousands of people. Yep. I just had that vision myself walking out on the stage and sharing breathwork with the world and sharing breathwork with hundreds of thousands of people and people gathering to experience the breath. 
And I remember it moved me to tears. It's still, it's still when I think about it and really drop into that vision moves me to tears. And I don't even know how that ended up transitioning into build a school. But in that moment, I just knew clearly that I was meant to bring breathwork and meditation to the modern world in a way that had never been done before. And that in order for me to do so, I couldn't be the only teacher. Mm. And so within the day, I was able to outline the entire AOB curriculum. The first time we launched it, it was only six weeks long. Now it's a 12-week program. Um, But I outlined the entire curriculum. The next day, I built out the entire sales page, which for the most part, up until this like most recent round, was the same exact sales page, except just with tons of testimonials added to it. But same sales page since the very beginning until this summer. And I think it was maybe 72 hours later that I said, hey, I have this certification that I'm running. It's starting June 1st, if anybody wants to be a part of it. And I remember being so nervous and talking to my mentor and saying, you know, it'd be so cool if 13 people join like that would be crazy to me and she's like 13 no let's try 20 I'm like 20 no way 20 okay I'll try and get behind that and I remember the weekend before the first round started driving up to Laguna Beach for a little staycation and seeing the 50th person enroll and just being mind blown and we ended up having 64 people in that first round we've certified almost 600 people now and it's just been truly and like an act of God. Like it's not me at all. It are, it's these practices. It's the collective intention of the people coming in. It's the excitement. It's the devotion of the people that decide to join because when you do this work, like your life will change inevitably, whether it's your relationships, whether it's your career, whether it's how you speak to yourself when you look in the mirror, how you feel when you wake up. Like there's no denying the fact that these tools fundamentally change you and support you in your evolution. And so if you are game for that and you're like, I'm willing to lean in, I'm willing to have resistance, be maybe in the passenger seat, but maybe the driver and show up for this work. The results are, I mean, they're, there's sure they're quantifiable in a lot of ways, but also just like indescribable. And that's, what's been the driving force behind the success of this program. But again, it's it's not me. All I did was create the sales page, show up with excitement, and again, embody the work. Mm-hmm. So I can be a walking testimonial for everybody that was like, ooh, will this work for me? Is the breath really that powerful? I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that, so let's unpack that a little bit because I think the embodiment piece is profound, but there are also like for those listening, they may say they, they have a gift, right? Or they have something that wants to move through them, right? The muse has, has, has shared a certain message. You know, there's also, I think, tangible aspects of how they get through the resistance to put that mm-hmm. out in the world, right? So, and I know one of the things you also are really supportive on and, and you've created this abundance for yourself through these types of programs is, is this notion of money mindset and how we, how we break through. So, for those listening, I can imagine they might say, okay, I get that embodiment is critical. Um, there are also tactics. Um, if you were, say, guiding someone through that journey of launching their first product, say someone decided that they the muse had spoken to them, they feel deeply passionate about music and teaching music or wh- whatever it may be, how would you walk them through both the inner work, which is that embodiment aspect of, of like that money mindset, 
as well as some, some of the first steps that you should think about as it relates to tactics and the actual things you need to do out in the world to create that successful product. Because I also know that some people do spend months, weeks, whatnot, trying to launch a product only to have crickets come, you know, mm-hmm. and you obviously didn't have crickets. I, I am, I'm sure that a large portion of that was your embodiment, but also you were probably very successful in making sure that the right people saw that offer and felt compelled to, mm-hmm. to, to jump in. Right. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about, um, kind of the inner work of, of say launching a course and that, and that notion of the money mindset, as well as some of the tactics that one should think about if they're embarking on that journey. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the key points that I shared uh, leading up to the Academy of Breath is that I was known for breath work. Mm. I had an audience of over 30,000 people who already associated me as the breath work queen. Mm-hmm. And so I had been building my brand for, gosh, if that was 20, 24 years before I launched the certification. And I had had programs where crickets did end up being the only noise that I heard yeah. when I went to launch. And the mistakes that I made in those programs were always that I didn't build brand. I didn't build trust. I didn't build a relationship that associated me with the specific topic. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a perfect example, that kick-ass branding for wellness professionals, which is just, gosh, that name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, that course versus the Academy of Breath, right? Yeah. When I created that that course at that time, I was doing yoga influencer work. I was working with brands. I was traveling. I was managing social media and doing a lot of freelance work. A lot of the content that I was creating online was all around mindfulness and yoga, yogic philosophy, um, meditation, breath work. I wasn't speaking about branding. I wasn't speaking about business. I wasn't positioning myself as an authority for this topic that I was creating a course on. In addition to that, I also spent all of three months behind the scenes building the course. And in that three months, what I should have been doing was building relationships, building trust, building brand around the topics. And so that course, Crickets, versus the Academy of Breath, I had four years spending time talking about mindfulness, speaking at events, people seeing me on stages, meeting me and experiencing my classes, connecting with me on these topics for years before I ever went and created the certification. And so I was known for it. And I think that a lot of people, when they go and say, I have this idea, I have this gift, okay, I'm going to work on it behind the scenes for months and perfect it. And then I'm going to go to launch it. That's mistake number one. Mm. You want to make sure that you've already associated yourself with whatever the topic is, built clout, built notoriety, built a presence and awareness around that specific topic so that you're not walking into the party like, hey, guys, I got something to sell you. And people are like, whoa, 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 who are you? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Let me trust you first and then I'll buy from you. Um, And so I think that that's the biggest mistake that a lot of people make. And when I have clients come to me and they say, yeah, I just spent that past year building this program and I look at their Instagram or I look at wherever they're channeling the most of their attention in more of the like relationship or community building and I don't see anything there. It's not it's no wonder to me that they struggle to sell because they aren't prioritizing the most important part of sales, which is relationship building and trust. Yeah. I love that you said that. Let me get tactical with it and actually tangible and be a little vulnerable because I think what I'm hearing 
is you had this association with breath, right? And people saw you in that regard. You had this brand that was associated around that. So I think in this particular day and age, many people do that, right? They niche down and they're like, I'm going to be known for this thing, right? I can say I personally have resisted that. I think much to my own detriment, but also like I kind of see myself as a renaissance man. Like I love many different things, you know? Um, now, I, much of what I'm known for, for example, in the past was Global Citizen Festival, right? So if I did something around philanthropy or community building or launching an event, that would probably make a lot of sense commensurate with what people know me for, mm -hmm. right? But let's just say, um, you know, after this training, I wanted to not to be on the nose with it. Okay, I'm going to launch a breathwork course or I'm going to launch a meditation course, right? Now, I've been practicing meditation for 20 plus years, but and you, you could argue some of my content falls in that space, but it's definitely not on the nose for like what, you know, and I've hosted events in that space, but it's not probably what someone who knows me first thinks about, right? Like it's not because I'm not talking about it externally many times a day. And I'm guessing that those some of those people listening probably in a similar position, mm -hmm. right? Where perhaps what they share because I think a lot of us bury our true passions, you know, kind of beneath the surface. So what are your thoughts on someone, for lack of a better term, pivoting or um, coming out of the closet, if you mm. will, with some of those true passions? And can you do that? Um, I guess I want to make this both relevant for everyone listening, but I also have an authentic curiosity for myself, right? Like if you were in my shoes... How would you position yourself such that if you wanted to launch something that you hoped would not be crickets, mm -hmm. aka would be a success, um, would you start to talk about that for months before you launch your course? Like, what, what, how would you, how would you, uh, in a way, build that brand that you're talking about, that association, that community, um, such that the course was set up for its greatest success? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love this question. So it really depends on what the program is and the psychology of the buyer. You know, if you have a higher ticket, you know, we were talking about the retreat earlier, a higher ticket program or experience that's in the multiple five figures or six figure range, you, the psychology of that buyer is very different than somebody's that's going to buy a $300 course. And what's interesting is that the person that's going to buy the $300 course actually is probably going to need more touch points with you and more validation of education and value. And this person can solve my problem because the person that's only ready to invest a little bit of money um, that like, you know, under a thousand dollars is likely it's probably their first time that they've ever invested. Mm. And so you have to remember, put yourself in your, in the shoes of the person that's never invested before. Well, what do they really need, right? Where are they at? They probably don't have a ton of self-trust. They probably are working with a limited amount of money. And so the money that they are spending, if $300 feels minimal to um, someone like you and me, but to someone else, it's like that is a lot of money. That's money that could go towards groceries or my rent or whatever it might be they're going to look at that $300 and how they invest that money a lot differently than the person that's able to invest six figures in a program. And so with that being said, understanding where your program is coming in will direct the strategy that you use in order to build trust with people. So if you have a program that's, you know, six figures on meditation or breath, you can just go and have conversations with the people in your life that would value that, that already trust you, that already have a relationship with you and let them know, hey, I'm doing this now. 
And if you know of anybody, you know, and like use the power of connection for those higher ticket buyers versus if you've got something that's a little bit lower or more of like a scalable offer similar to like the Academy of Breath is with that. I would look at what are the, if I know that I'm going to launch, let's say January 1st, what are the things that I'm going to do if I reverse engineer over these next two months to really establish myself as an authority in this space so that it doesn't feel like it's coming out of left field on January 1st when I say, hey, I have this offer for you. So that can be a number of different things, right? I think that there's power right now in the combination of offline and online experiences. I guess it depends though on the type of business you want to build and the type of freedom you want to create. A lot of people are channeled a lot of energy into the online space over the last several years, obviously, because that was the only option that we had. But now we have the opportunity to also connect with people in person. And I think that there's, if people are open and excited about connecting in person, I really believe that the people that do both are going to be the ones that stand out and are able to build trust really, really quickly because building trust in person gets to happen so much faster than in the online space when you're not competing with other distracting noise and other people. It's just two people in a room or a smaller event. You have the ability to connect with your people and your community on a much deeper level and get intimate a lot faster so that that trust builds a lot faster. So if I were in your shoes creating a scalable offer, I would reverse engineer and ask myself, what events can I do in person? What masterclasses or value adding experiences can I create online? How can I start to shift my content to really focus on the pillars of themes that are relevant to the course that I'm creating and really dive into building authority and awareness around that topic and around that theme up until the point that the the program launches? Um, I think that the it's like six to seven times on average that people need to see. Yeah, six to seven touch points on average. And so that's what I would think about and focus on as it relates to um, your strategy and how you want to educate people and build those relationships with people, whether it be online or in person. Beautiful. Doing a mastermind? Yeah. So like doing something like very, because I have access to these extraordinary, for lack of a better term, healers like true like potently powerful healers especially indigenous healers around the world and i think it would be incredible to introduce people to those uh figures so i thought about that and more catering it to like um you know folks in in the in the network um but i think honestly I think for me, it's like, how do I get out of it's, it's like when I launched the podcast, I think there's just resistance to even being seen as like an online coach in the first place. Like mm-hmm. there's an identity challenge yeah. that I have, right? Where it's like the same thing. I had this identity challenge with being a podcaster, right? It was like, how do you go from global citizen to some like, and now podcasting looks very differently, but at the time it was very niche, right? Yeah. And it was like, you know, very hobbyist, like almost yeah. felt like you're like CB radio yeah. guy, you yeah. know, you're like, how about now? Of course. Had I done it in 2014, also the show would have grown. I mean, there's always exponential value to being early, yeah. right? Like you look at Rich Roll or Lewis House or all these guys who are super early. So, so I think, and a lot of my friends, for example, are 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 coaches, and I love teaching. Like teaching was my first job, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, I think there's dissonance for me around 
the perception, like there's mm-hmm. an ego fuck with me around like the perception of being like a coach. Yeah. Also because there's so many people that claim to be coaches yeah. that I think like you got to be kidding. Me. Yeah. It's just like, I don't want to be associated with it. Yeah, you know? for like, sure. Like it's like the, like we a little bit of what we talked about, like the Austin, like kind of like feels like it's like the first year in high school, like yeah. but in the spiritual community where people are just discovering things and not to make that bad. It's just to say, I feel like, um, the, the ego part of me, which is like, you know, has done all this work and, you know, has the credentials and credibility. It's like, is that really the move? You know, mm-hmm. like, should I just go into public speaking? Right. Like, and like do something very credible with corporates and like leverage, I think my experience and background as it relates to global citizen and mm-hmm. other, you know, enterprises, Fulbright, whatnot. Or do I passionately share that said, when I look at someone like yourself, who's like about to go on a month long trip with your boyfriend and like seemingly has created offers that are very aligned to who you are. And it seems like is not encumbered by a nine to five type schedule, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's totally aligned with how I want to live my life, right? Like I want to have a small team that's remote that I don't have to manage. I want to make multiple seven figures Mm -hmm. ultimately, not necessarily in the first year. Um, and create products that I loved offering and that are evergreen and keep going, right? Mm-hmm. Downside of doing events is like I spent a whole year building an event. Yeah. And then as soon as the event's done, it's gone. Yeah. You gotta start again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If I spent nine months building a course and then like, you know, I think about like Marie Forleo with D School, it's like Yeah. She's been able to evolve that over years and it's led to, you know, financial freedom. I mean She's a friend. I don't. I don't know the actual numbers, but if you look on our website, it says hundred million dollars in yeah. whatever years. So I'm like, okay, like, yeah. that would be more aligned to what I'd want to build. Um, but I'm my what I'm working on now is getting over the internal resistance to how I see myself, how I would be seen. Right? Like, there's people like also not that this matters at all, but it does somehow in my mind where I'm like, okay, if I start doing like coaching kind of content on my, you know, on my, as my, on my Instagram, you know, like how does like, I'm just making this up, but like, I have like some real New Yorker, like people, like hardcore people from like New York and other places that honestly, like, I don't even talk to that much anymore, but like somehow I'm like, oh man, they're going to be like trainers lost the map. Right. It's like that. It's like that. (laughs) It's like that. Like, uh, the like fucking with you ego conversation, yeah. which probably some people can relate to. Yeah. Where it's like, and also like to your point, I don't know, to your point, at least the way I think about it, right? Like I think my main challenge has been, I haven't gone niche down, right? Like I know you create the avatar. Like you clearly are like, I want to help women in particular, mm-hmm. like liberate themselves with their mindset. You're very clear. Okay. I'm going breath work and meditation and you can diversify from there, money mindset, etc. But yeah. it's like, you're a niche and you're very clear about who you're speaking to, who you're talking to, your language, etc. Like for me, I'm kind of like, uh, well, who am I, like, am I talking to women? Am I talking to men? Yeah. You know, like, uh, what am I talking to them about? Because for me right now, and like, I've never, I haven't really, I don't charge anything for it. You know, like yeah. I do a lot of my socials kind of inspirational, but it's just like stuff I like. Yeah. And I'm not like, uh, identifying as a coach. I'm not selling any offers or any programs. I don't think it would be a huge stretch going from that yeah. to uh, to an offer. 
if it, if it seemed resonance, mm-hmm. right? I, I have been told, and I think it's true that a lot of people would love to learn from me. Yeah. And I, I believe that to be the case. But then the question is, what am I teaching, right? Like, mm-hmm. am I teaching about how to launch an epic event? I mean, I could do that, but yeah. like, that doesn't feel, I, mean, I don't feel like that's my soul. Like, when you talk about, you know, Freddie Mercury coming out for you as breath work, I don't feel like I want to teach you how to create an event, yeah. you know? Like, I don't feel like that. Like, yeah. that's not, that doesn't feel authentic to me. But, you know, like, for example, if after Academy of Breath, I was like, oh, I want to do something in breath work and meditation, mm-hmm. that is an area of authentic passion. Yeah. But it's not an area of, like, I'm authentically, like, I mean, I'll tag, like, obviously I'll talk, I talk about you or I'll go to open for breath work yeah. and, like, I'll tag about that occasionally. But it's not, like, all my content is around, like, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, 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 so therein lies the question where I'm, like, okay, I'm cognizant that, like, when I think about, for example, you, my friend Susie Shifflin, I don't know if you know yeah. her, yeah, right? Susie. Like. Um, and I think she's publicly come out. She's made over a million dollars, like teaching people how to do sound bowl. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like, okay. Right. Like for me, that's like, I'm not like, I need a Lambo. Like if I'm making seven figures a year teaching what I love, but to me, that's success in life. Yeah. But I feel like you, her very clear on the demographics. You're like, I'm speaking to women. I'm talking about, she's talking about sound bowls. You're talking principally about breath work, mm-hmm. at least in the context of Academy of Breath. I don't yeah. know your other offerings, but um, and that cuts through, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like people know you, and I think that's where I've held myself back in mm-hmm. life, right? It's like because I could talk about global citizen, I could talk about that on a corporate stage, but it's not what I do anymore, yeah. right? Like I did launch it; it is amazing, um, but I can't really do a course around that. Like it's a one-off, right? Like I, am I going to teach people how to create epic platforms for their philanthropic endeavors? Am yeah. I going to teach about like so? Uh, so therefore I'm personally in a little bit of like a, I don't know exactly how to, um, frame it. And also I don't know exactly where the, where the, my path, like in that Venn diagram where exactly like I have multitude of passions, but which passion would have the greatest resonance mm-hmm. with the audience, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And then the last piece I'll just mention is I'm co- complicating that factor is I'm writing a book about the music of relationships. So I could do a course on relationships, yeah. but I also don't feel I'm not like um, Mark Rose where like my whole, all my content is about mm-hmm. human connection yeah. and relationships. I think he's changing his too. I saw he released a podcast the other day. And oh, is he? I think he's doing something more, more about communication, I think now. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So. so, I mean, you can pivot, right? Yeah. But it seems like all the advice I've seen is like, First, you niche down, For right? Sure. Like, like um, she's now in Austin. I'm sure you know her. Um, she was in the fitness, and then she went into she got just got married. Anyway, I, I, her name is escaping me, but she was like a hardcore fitness influencer, mm-hmm. and then she went into like online coaching and like business. So I feel like you can expand out once you have once you've grown in your niche. And some yeah. people leave, but like a lot of people won't. Yeah. But the reason why people are expanding out is because the trust is there. Yeah. And that's like, so it's like, it's not necessary, necessarily like it has to be the niche. It's like, it has to be trust. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, we have all of these like marketing terms and jargon that like can fuzzy the field, so to speak. But if we go back to like the very like basics of sales and marketing before online, before social media, it's always been trust it's always been the relationships it's always i 
feel like I can give you my money and you're going to get me some sort of result. And so that's why people that pivot have success after they've niched down. It's because they've already gotten someone a result in another area of their life that they're like, all right, I'll follow you anywhere. Mm, okay. Just jump back in. So we, <laughs> folks, we, we, we just went deep on trust. And I think this is a piece that isn't talked about, at least in a lot of what I'm consuming content wise, but I think is to me, it feels like the secret sauce. So can you talk a little bit about if someone's going to, if you're going to move from your passion to turning that passion into an actual business, right? And a business that, that fosters your freedom. Um, what, what are the essential elements to moving from that passion into a place of having a profitable business? Mm. Well, the passion piece, I feel like, is so important. I know that we can have success without being passionate about it. That's um, clearly been done many times. But to me, I think when we are bringing our passion forward in our businesses, like you have to love it because entrepreneurship sucks in a lot of ways. Mm. And it's not easy. And it's, 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 it's a challenging game. You know, that's why not everybody goes out there and builds a business. And, you know, I think a lot of people did think that they could go out there and build a business over the last three years and had a rude awakening, mm -hmm. realizing that it's not just as simple as show up and post or say, hey, I just built this thing, come pay me for it. So you have to love it. Because if you don't love it, then you're probably going to find a lot more comfort in getting a nine to five job and making decent money and having benefits and that whole game. For me, I think that the biggest thing that I've seen to work well outside of building trust is building something with your own energy at the forefront because when it has your unique imprint in whatever way that looks, and I'll dig into exactly what I mean by that so I'm not just speaking in esoteric terms, yeah. but when it has your unique energetic imprint, people are going to experience it differently than the other person down the street that's selling the same thing. Mm. You know, I think about the Academy of Breath as a perfect example. I've never wanted to be just the cookie cutter breathwork and meditation space. I remember when I first started the Academy of Breath, we used like sage and beige and, you know, I like all those colors, but I was following the rules of what mindfulness and what like the wellness space expected of a program that's teaching you breathwork and meditation. Right. But it wasn't me, you know, like my students call me the Beyonce of breathwork. I'm loud. I say fuck. I like playing electronic music. I like dancing around the room. I like it to be high energy. And so when we, when, when I realized and my, my team was, we were in conversation when I realized I was compartmentalizing myself and having the Academy of Breath be something separate from me, I realized that if I wanted it to be a world-renowned program, I needed it to be with my energy and I needed it to be something that was a reflection of me. Again, this isn't necessarily like the end all be all slap it onto every single business strategy, but I believe when it's your passion, you want it to be yours and for you to not fit into some other person's box. And so we changed the colors, we changed the branding, we made it feel more me, bright, high energy. And because of that, it started attracting the people that wanted that. And what's really important about that is that the, let's say like if my program is a house, the marketing is the exterior of the house, the experience is the interior of the house. And so there was congruency with how it was marketed, 
what the experience was like on the inside. And so people knew what they were getting when they were jumping in. They were able to settle in this space. They liked the space and want to continue into other experiences that we're creating. And so as far as monetization goes, it's not just about the one experience that you offer. It's about the ascension that people have with you inside of your world. And so for anybody that is a content creator or a course creator, an educator, an online you know, online coach or whatever experiences that you offer within the service-based space, I always ask myself long-term, what am I doing with this specific offer? What am I doing with this brand? Because it's not just a single offer. It's not just a single program. It's the journey that I get to take somebody on once they say yes to this. Yeah. So how do you think about that journey? For Because I think in the context of, and I've never really launched a full-fledged online business, definitely something I'm, I'm thinking about. But what, what you'll often hear is, okay, you're taking people on a journey and, and, and I think where it loses me and maybe some of those people listening is like, it feels like there is that, like, there's like some, some people who have like the gross element of that, right. Mm -hmm. Which is like, and, and by the way, that exists in any industry, but like where it feels a little bit like, I don't know, used car salesman, you know, uh, I don't know, funnily like, and nothing's wrong with a funnel, but just like where it's like, it feels like there. It's very. Um, I'm thinking of a particular person. I don't want to throw on the on the bus. <laughs> that you know, it's like in their Lambo in front of their Lambo in their you know, like uh, whatever. Like it's a very like. Uh, I'm not the demographic for that person, yeah. but, it, but where it's very, it feels very kind of like transactional salesy, mm -hmm. versus like how you take someone on a journey, right? So okay, period, end statement. That aspect exists. But from the point of view of if you are creating an online business where you want to introduce people to the outside of the house and bring them in the house in a way that they so love the house that they're like, oh, heck yeah. Are there more floors? You know, can I go? Mm -hmm. Where's the, you know, where's the living room? Where's there? AKA, I want to see anything you have to offer. This house feels like home. Mm -hmm. Right. How do you think about that as it relates to creating a whole ecosystem of offerings that feel aligned to, to your purpose? Because I know, for example, with you, you have Academy of Breath. But one of the things I was kind of blown away by was like when I signed on, I was like, oh, wow, like this is just one of your offerings, right? There's like, I don't, I don't know how many there were, but it looked like 12 and they were all different price points, seemed like different thresholds. Some were probably lower hanging fruit. Um, more entry level, others seem like higher ticket offers. How do you create a whole ecosystem and think about which which point someone comes in on and how they move through the house, so to speak, how they move through the journey of your offerings? Mm -hmm. It's going to be kind of an annoying answer. I pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> I How just, so? Like, what are you paying attention to? I pay attention to the questions that are asked. I pay attention to the things that people are bringing into the space. And I don't necessarily, you know, only move with feedback and only move with what other people are asking for of me. But I pay attention to it. If I see that a lot of people are interested in, you know, getting their business to a point where they're making multiple five figures a month, then I'm going to pay attention and maybe just try out creating a masterclass, which is more low hanging fruit. That's going to be a little bit lower ticket and explain my process of how I was able to create consistent multiple five figure months. Um, paying attention also to how it feels for me to be running the experience. What did I like about this? What didn't I like about this? What would I like to continue offering? And for me, it's always been 
a conversation and contemplation that has happened within my practice. It's not something that I'm like sitting down and writing out, even though I'm sure that there's value to that. For me, it's prayer. Mm. And it's like, it truly is connecting to God and asking like, how else can I be of service to these people? Mm. You know, we created the advanced practitioner training um, a year and a half, almost two years into the Academy of Breath. We had people asking us, how can we continue to advance this? How can we continue to learn from you? How can I continue to get support from you? How can I continue to refine my skills as a teacher? And it wasn't until I felt ready to offer an advancement to our 12-week training that we brought it to life. And, you know, the first time that we offered it was sold out. And so it wasn't ever this used car salesman I need to do this like in order to advance people into my program and I'm going to position the program that comes up next after this at a certain amount of time like yes I do think about those things after I know that I'm going to be offering this of let me make sure that I talk about our advanced training when we're about halfway through the uh, the AOB course so that people can start to think about it because again those touch points but it's always just been because I pay attention and because I stay in my heart and because I really like care about the people that are in my world. And I know that if I can get them results in this space and I know who my audience is and I know that these people that are going through the Academy of Breath are wanting to start impact driven businesses, then it makes sense for me to offer them this advancement or it makes sense for me to offer them this piece. And I'm not selling it to them. I'm inviting them in. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense where it's like you're creating something that ideally is of service. You are, as any entrepreneur truly is, right, solving a problem for them or offering a service that makes their their life better and finding a way to sequence that in a way, I suppose, where, um, yeah, they're they're deepening their experience of home within your universe, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Um, That's beautiful. So... As you kind of zoom out right at this point, right? So in a way, you're, you're likely just, I would imagine, going to continue to listen, pray, to make the kind of offerings that you feel are commensurate with um, that which moves through you. But as you sit here today, what do you think about, as you look at kind of the ecosystem you've created, what brings you the greatest amount of fulfillment and what would you like to grow or create next to enhance that sense of fulfillment? Yeah, I love that question. So for me right now, connecting in person, speaking and getting in front of new people is my greatest passion and what brings me the most joy. Because as much as we exist in this echo chamber where breathwork, meditation, mindfulness is so known and on every single freaking corner, um, majority of the world does not know this or they might know what breath work is but they've never tried it before and oh my god what's that does it feel weird is it normal that I feel this way why do you guys do that with your arms up and so there's a lot of awareness growing around breath work but majority of the world has never experienced it before doesn't even know what it is and so my passion is really in teaching and showing people that have never been exposed to it before, the power of their breath to get it into spaces that aren't yoga studios and aren't like just only wellness people because there are so many influential people out there that would radically transform the way that they lead, the way that they live their life, the way that they love if they had these practices. And so for me, I just wanna get in the room with influential people and teach them how to use their breath and um, 
it's been really fun to do so and to start making moves in that direction because the feedback that we've gotten has been really, really special. And, you know, like I said, when I set out to create the Academy of Breath, I did so because I wanted more teachers to walk alongside me. And now that we've had 10 cohorts, 600 students, I, I have my crew. I got my people and we're not stopping anytime soon. We're continuing to do our certification and our advanced trainings and we've got our personal practice course as well. But I actually think that my offer suite is is solid where it's at. And now I'm just like, all right, it's time to spread, spread this work, spread the gift. Good. Well, let's let's do that. Let's actually get into like a breathwork exercise. Yes. I, think, I think people would get some value out of that. So um yeah, is there a particular practice you think would be uh, resonant or or that you'd like to share? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I already said that I would share my my morning practice that okay, my morning practice that made me millions. Um, disclaimer: It might not make you a million dollars tomorrow, but it will give you all of the steps and direction in order to do so in your unique way. Um, what I will just quick questions actually for you. Mm. So this is filmed. Video, yes, of course. Yeah. Okay. So people can actually see the whole practice they if they can, want yes. to. Okay. Amazing. So anyone that's watching, if at any point or anyone that's listening, if at any point you get a little confused by what I'm saying, watch the full video because you'll be able to see what I'm doing. For anybody that is pregnant or on their first day of their cycle, any of our women identifying listeners, I would actually ask you to opt out of this practice. And I'll give you an alternative of just breathing in deeply through your nose down into your belly, which we'll do at the beginning of practice. Um, The reason being is that this is a contradiction for anybody that is pregnant and can cause cramps sometimes for anybody that's on their first day of their cycle. Everybody else, you're good to go. So this is one of my favorite techniques, like I said, as a morning routine. I promise this practice in the morning will leave you feeling so good, so in the body, so inspired, because again, it just creates the space for you to tap in and receive, whether it's receiving from God, your higher self, intuition, whatever it is that you resonate with. And I did this practice every single day for a year, that first year of 2020. This is how the idea for the Academy of Breath dropped in, all of my inspiration drops in. And so this is the 10-minute practice that I absolutely love. We don't have to do 10 minutes, though, if we don't have the space. Um, how much space do we have, actually? I mean, let's go for what, 10 minutes is fine. Okay, amazing. Sounds good. All right, so the practice is called Kapalabhati. And if anyone's ever been in a yoga studio and has felt very frustrated by their breath, this might be the practice that you did. The reason being is that it's a practice that moves emotion. It moves energy. In Sanskrit, it's called a shakarma, which is a purification technique. So it's purifying our thoughts our physical body, energy or prana. And it's a activating practice as well too. And so you might feel a little bit of sensation build. You might feel a little bit of heat. Like I said, you might feel frustration come up or anger come up. The thing about the breath is that it allows us to work with those deeper layers of consciousness and deeper layers of awareness that exist beyond just our external senses. And so oftentimes when we start to break through those layers, We give the body, the nervous system, and and our hearts, our emotions, the opportunity to release things that have been stuck or that we have pushed down. So when we work with the breath, sometimes those things release. Don't be scared, though. And at any point, if you need to, you can always just return back to your natural breath. So the practice itself is going to be a forceful exhale out of your nose. The inhales actually happen effortlessly, so you don't have to focus on your exhale at all. When you're, or excuse me, focus on your inhale at all. 
when you're exhaling, your belly is going to pull in towards the spine. And so we're actually going to do a silly little exercise together, Michael, before we begin. Okay. I want you to pant like a dog. Okay, good. Now seal your lips and do that same motion. Good. Okay, amazing. Hopefully everybody that was listening was also doing it. So when you pant like a dog, your belly just naturally sucks in towards the spine. That's the muscle motion that we want to create when we're doing Kapalabhati. If it's helpful, you can always bring a palm onto your belly so you can feel that pumping motion. Do you have any questions before we begin? Nope. Nope. All right. So if you are not driving, if you are listening at home, if you're in a safe space where you can close your eyes down, close the eyes down. And before changing anything about your breath, I want you to just simply notice how you are breathing. Can you feel your breath primarily in your chest or in your belly? Again, not changing anything at all, but just simply becoming aware and observing the cadence of your inhale and your exhale. Perhaps you move a little bit deeper, noticing how you feel on an emotional level. Maybe it's been a busy day and you're feeling a little overwhelmed or tired. Maybe you just got the best news ever and you feel excited and inspired. Perhaps you feel neutral. That's okay too. Remember, every time that we shift from the external to the internal, we're turning up the volume on the information that our body, our nervous system, our emotions has to share with us. Awareness is power because that awareness allows us to shift what we desire to shift, to let go what we desire to let go of, and to call forward more of that which we desire to cultivate. Now begin to deepen your breath and if it feels good, you can put a hand on your heart, a hand on your belly. And as you're breathing in, I want you to send your breath first and foremost down into your belly. Then draw the breath from the belly through the rib cage all the way up into your chest. And take an open mouth exhale release. Good. So just like that, inhaling into the belly, the ribs, the chest. Taking an open mouth exhale to release. This practice within itself is so regulating to the system. Simply noticing even how it feels to be offering your body these sighs. Maybe you feel your shoulders relax, the space between your brows relax. 
our jaw. Now we're going to move into the Palavati. And again, if you are pregnant or on your first day of your cycle, just stay with these deep breaths in and open mouth sighs. For everybody else, as a reminder, it's a forceful, choppy exhale out of your nose. The belly pulls in towards your spine with every breath out. So again, you can bring your palm onto your belly so you can feel that pumping motion. Let's take an inhale to fill the lungs three quarters of the way to prepare. Forceful exhales begin. You're halfway there. Keep going. Keep going. Out, out, out. Good. You got it. Good. In 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Good. Exhale. Empty all of your air out. Release. Good. Hold for a moment at the bottom. And take a deep breath in. Fill up the belly, ribs, chest. Good. Hold at the top. Relax your shoulders, tuck your chin down. As your chin tucks down towards the chest, begin to lift and engage your pelvic floor muscles. It's almost this squeezing sensation in and up. Hold here for five, four, three, two, one. Exhale, release, lift the chin from the chest. Beautiful. Take a deep breath in. Exhale, empty out. All right, we're going to go into a second round. Again, option to put the hand on the belly. Let's fill the lungs three quarters of the way. Forceful exhales begin. Good. Keep going. Try to stay on the cue of my snap. If at any point it gets a little challenging, you can always take a pause and come right back into it, but we're almost there. Nice, Michael. Good, in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, almost there, 3, 2, 1. Good, exhale, empty out, release, empty all of the oxygen, then take a deep breath in. Hold at the top. Shoulders relax down again, tuck the chin down towards your chest, then begin to once again lift the pelvic floor by engaging in and up, almost like you're trying to stop yourself from peeing. A similar sensation of just pulling all of the energy in towards the core of your body. And just notice how it feels to experience the fullness of your breath in your body and that building of sensation. <laughs> yeah, just three, two, one, good, relax, release. Take a deep breath in. Exhale, empty out. We're gonna do one more round. Inhale, fill the lungs three quarters of the way. Forceful exhale, begin.
Good, in five, four, three, two. Yep, we're almost there. One, exhale, release, nice work. Good job. Inhale, fill up. Hold at the top again. Last hold, last retention. Letting yourself just settle into this space. The work is over. Beautiful. Release the breath. Exhale, empty out. Take a deep breath in. Slow breath out. I'm just taking this moment to scan your body and notice how you feel. You might feel a big shift in sensation or it might be quite subtle. But let your awareness drift deeper and deeper and deeper into your body, sensation. In this space, just simply asking silently within the mind, how can I be of service today? Noticing what arises. It can come in the form of thought. might be inspiration to go somewhere, reach out to somebody. How can I be of service today? Sometimes the guidance that comes up in this space might feel like you are meeting an edge, might feel like random, unexpected, out of the ordinary. But can you choose to just simply say yes and listen. Because the space in which this guidance arises from is beyond who you are in your fleshy form as a human. And if we learn to trust this voice, we learn to trust the self in the dance with the divine, with the muse, doors will swing open in ways that sometimes we can't even possibly imagine from where we stand.
breath in. And then exhale to release. And you can take your time dropping an ear to each shoulder if that feels good. Rolling out your spine, letting your eyes be the last to open. To conclude our very simple breathwork practice. Thank you, Ava. You're welcome. That was lovely. Yeah. How do you feel? I feel good. Yeah. Very relaxed. Did you receive some guidance? Mm. Not in a not in like a directed form. No, mm. I just felt more, um, yeah, more tranquil. I suppose. Yeah, I love that. Well, the important note that I should say too is that sometimes it doesn't come up right away, yeah. but the posing of the question is what yeah, it's opens the to door. Be in the question, yeah, mm-hmm. to live in the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for your time. Of course, so so appreciative. Yeah. Yes. Um, Wow, I'm in, now I'm in like a little blissed out mode. I love it. <laughs> Perfect way to end. It's probably, probably good we didn't start that. I was thinking maybe we should start with breath work. Now I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Actually, wow, I'm like in the, in a beautiful uh, floaty place, which I love. Mm-hmm. I love to get in that spot. Mm-hmm. Do you, how, how, which breath work practices do you use? Like, I mean, I know we talked we talk about this, but like, like there's activating practices, I feel like, right? And then there's kind of like, for lack of a better term, like relaxing mm-hmm. practices, like depending on what you want to stimulate your, you know, I guess sympathetic or parasympathetic nervous system. But what's your greatest go-to? If you had like a like a one-minute state shifter, mm. you know, like, oh, okay, like I'm getting stressed. I'm in my like parasympathetic, like I'm like, I, I, I'm in my stress state, like my cortisol's high, like I'm really angry or I don't know I'm, I'm frustrated what's the breath that you go to for like and not and, and by the way it's great to feel those feelings but like to re-regulate your nervous system yeah such a great question so for me at this point because I do these te- techniques every single day I am typically for the most part starting with a regulated nervous system mm. a lot of people when they first get into breath work are in a dysregulated state and so what I would go to is a little bit different than what I would tell somebody else to go to and it's the not so sexy answer for those that are just starting out that for the most part live in a state of stress it's going to be the calming practices and my favorite practice is that um, f- physiological sigh so when you're inhaling you fill up maybe for a count of about four or five, and then just a really gentle release. That has been proven through recent studies to actually be more regulating for the nervous system and more regulating for for stress than meditation or or MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is really interesting and really cool to see that something as simple as just an inhale and an open mouth exhale can be so soothing for our systems. So that's typically what I would suggest to somebody who lives for the most part in a state of stress. For me, what I like to do in that like minute period of let me shift how I feel, let me feel what I feel, but then mm. shift it yep. is Kapalabhati and yep. then um, psycho- psychological, physiological size so that I'm creating that activation. I'm moving energy and I'm arousing my system, but then I'm taking myself off of that heightened state and bringing myself back to a more grounded energy and calming my body so that I'm not just existing in the cortisol and the adrenaline. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. 
All right. I'm going to be using the physiological side a bit more often. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. great. It's really cool, too, when you do this work more often because for me, I feel like I can actually feel the dopamine and serotonin release at this point. And like if I'm doing that physiological sigh and feeling a lot of stress in my body and I just sit there and do like five breaths, I feel like I, there's like this melting sensation in my body. I'm like, this feels so cool. And, like, <laughs> and I'm like, it's working. <laughs> it's working, baby. Yeah. <laughs> as, as promised. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, where can people find you? Yeah. So I know we talked quite a bit about business today, which I do support a lot of people in um, business mentorship and coaching a lot of like female entrepreneurs, as we've discussed. But if you're interested in breath work and learning what we do at the Academy of Breath, you can find us at Academy of Breath. Our website is academyofbreath.org. And then you can follow me, Ava Johanna, A-V-A-J-O-H-A-N-N-A. That's my website. That's my Instagram. And yeah, I'd love to hear from you. I'm not one of those people that's like, don't DM me and I'm not going to respond. I love connecting with people. It's my favorite thing ever. For me, like I said, in this conversation, relationship building is where it's at. And so if this conversation resonated or if anyone has any questions about breath work, reach out to me. Awesome. David Johanna, thank you so much. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Ava Johanna. Uh, Please, if you did, feel free to share it with a friend, maybe a friend who's in the wellness space or is looking to build an online business. If you think they'll derive a lot of value from it please feel free to share Uh, if you like the episode if you take the time to leave us a rating and review on spotify or apple Podcasts, that would mean the world to me it helps us grow the show and get um, better and more compelling guests i am committed to making the show as amazing as possible for you guys i will keep getting incredible uh, guests and keep sharing their insights with you Until next time, my friends, have a beautiful day, and we'll talk soon.